You're listening to a message from Excel Church. For more information about events and all that happens at Excel, visit www.excelchurch.com. Enjoy the message. Hope you're doing well. Who's thankful? I, I want to. Um, it, we don't celebrate Thanksgiving um, in this country, but kind of, um, it's still a good thing to be thankful. I was reading something this week, and I want to. Um, a guy called Lee Grady says this, um, just to give context sometimes on what we have. Sometimes we don't appreciate what we have. And so here's a, a few things. He says this, do you have religious freedom? The majority of the world's population, 75% of the world's population live in areas with severe re- religious restrictions. And Christians in more than 60 countries face persecution simply because of their belief in Jesus Christ. About 1.6 billion People in the world live in repressive societies where they have no say in how they are governed. 1.6 billion. That's a lot of people. I have no understanding of how many people that is. I know that's a lot of people. Do you make your own decisions? There are 29.8 million people living as slaves today. These people live as forced laborers, forced prostitutes, child soldiers, child brides in forced marriages. 162 countries have slave in them, slaves in them. Do you have money in the bank? There are more than 2.5 billion adults around the world who are unbanked, according to the data. In 148 countries, two-thirds of people without accounts said they simply don't have enough money to even use a bank. Do you own shoes? I've got some new boots on today. What I feel very privileged, I feel very thankful um, that I could just go yesterday and buy myself some new boots. I like a pair of new boots or a pair of new shoes. It's good. But it says about 300 million children around the world don't own a pair of shoes. It's estimated that 2 billion people worldwide are currently plagued with parasitic diseases that could be prevented simply by wearing proper footwear. Oh, my word. Do you drink clean water? About 1.1 billion people in the world don't have access to clean drinking water. Because of that... Nine million people will die this year because of water-related illnesses. The next time we open a a bottle of water or drink from our tap, let's appreciate the fact that we have a tap in our homes that we can drink the water from that tap. It's amazing. And we don't realize it. Did your mother survive when you were born? Approximately 800 women die every day from complications during pregnancy and childbirth. This is equivalent to 33 women an hour. Do you live past age five years old? Some 21,000 children die every day around the world because of poverty and preventable diseases. This is equivalent to one child dying every four seconds. Do you eat three meals a day? The World Health Organization estimates that one-third of the world's population is overfed, one-third is underfed, and one-third is starving. Approximately 925 million people in the developing world are chronically under nourished? Do you enjoy reliable electricity? About 1.5 billion people in this world have no access to electrical power. That's just mind-boggling. Do, you, do we enjoy that oven in our kitchen? The next time we prepare a meal, remember that 2.5 billion people in the world still use wood or charcoal to cook their food. Do you enjoy your washing machine? I have a 10 kilogram washing machine. It's a, like a mega washer. About 5 billion people in the world still wash their clothes by hand. Do you have a roof over your head? 
The UN says this, that there are 100 million homeless people in the world. One in three children in the world live without adequate shelter. Do you own a car? The, in the US, it has the highest number of, of cars in the world. Only 5 to 7% of people in the world have ever flown in an aeroplane. Only one in every eight people have access to a car. Do you have a flushable toilet? Um, there are 2.6 billion people who do not ha have access to any toilet facilities. Oh, my. Can you read? Nearly a billion people entered the 21st century unable to read a book or sign their names. There are 72 million children who should be in school but are not enrolled. Just unbelievable. And that's not to make us feel discouraged or depressed or kind of, oh my word, but and to make us feel bad or to feel guilty about what we have. I, I just think we need to feel thankful and feel blessed and to realize that we are so blessed that, yes, it's okay to believe for more, but actually... It's good also to realize that we are incredibly blessed. Every one of us in this room are wealthy. When we think of some of these statistics, we are incredibly wealthy. The fact that we can sit in this warm, spacious room today with these lovely lights and amazing singers, we are blessed. Who's blessed today? Who's thankful today? We've all got something to be thankful for. And um, we have traditions in our house. And this is, this is an Advent candle, as you can see. And in our house, this is one of the very few traditions that I absolutely find absolutely essential. Like I said to my family yesterday, we have to get an Advent candle. This is the one from our house. Today is the first day of Advent. And um, Advent means arrival. It means the arrival of a notable person or thing. So we talk about the advent of television. It means the beginning, the arrival of something. It also means, in Latin, coming. Okay? So the church has traditionally celebrated the first coming of Christ in Advent, getting ready for celebrating Jesus' coming the first time. But also, originally, Advent was a time to look forward to the second coming of Christ. Because we are, as believers, excited about Christmas because it's the time when we celebrate kindness coming, like we've heard this morning. But also, it should be the time when we look with hope and expectation to the day when the kingdom comes. Because Jesus came first as a baby, but he's coming second as the king on the throne. And he's going to bring everything together and the kingdom is going to come. So we hold these tensions that the kingdom hasn't fully come yet. And there is going to come a day because we pray, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. There is coming a day when everything's going to be wrapped up and the kingdom is going to come. And so we have an eye on the future while we wait to celebrate the fact that he came 2,000 years ago in the past. We still have an eye on the future. But Advent is a, time, is a time of anticipation. It's a celebration of hope and the culmination of the greatest event ever to happen, of the Savior coming to this earth. However, even for us as believers, sometimes it can feel like a stressful time. It can feel like a time of, oh man, just lists, 
things to do, panic, busyness, running around, or not having enough, or thinking about expectations of people and things that we have to do, things we have to buy, and the pressure to come up to expectations and all of that. And of course, we live in a crazy, crazy world. But, I don't know about you, as believers, we're called to live differently. We're called to live in a different way. And uh, I want to encourage you today, we're going to talk about peace for a few minutes. We're going to talk about the Prince of Peace. This morning we've been lifting up the Prince of Peace. We've been worshipping the Saviour, Jesus, who is the Prince of Peace. He was the culmination of the promise. All the way through the Old Testament we see the, the promise. There's going to come a day. There's going to come a Messiah a shepherd who will be the culmination of the salvation plan. And so when Jesus came, they said that he will encapsulate in the Hebrew this word shalom, which means peace, but it means more than just peace. It means well-being. It means wholeness. It means nothing missing. It means nothing broken. It means there will come a Messiah who will, in a divided, scarred, broken society, he will be the one who brings wholeness, who personifies wholeness, who is perfect, who is whole, and will bring wholeness to our brokenness. And so, in the Greek in the Hebrew, it's the word shalom. In the Greek, it's the word eirene, E-I-R-E-N-E. He is the personification. He's the culmination of everything that we've been waiting for. He's the promise fulfilled. And 2,000 years ago, he came into a society, a violent society, into Judea that was occupied by the Romans and was was led, the Romans had a Caesar, Augustus Caesar. Augustus Caesar was the, after Julius Caesar, kind of the first proper Caesar in a sense. He brought changes to society over his reign. He, he um, was responsible for bringing things like a fire service to Rome, to improving the local public services, and he was generally regarded as quite a good Caesar in the sense that he brought something which in Latin was called the Pax Romana, which was the Roman peace, which meant that generally across the Roman Empire there weren't any kind of major wars going on. And so into that world, Jesus comes. And we're going to be looking at this over the next few weeks. And I love it when the angels come and they say to the shepherds, peace on earth. Because what we need to realize is that in a time when the Caesar was bringing peace in inverted commas, the Pax Romana, Jesus was coming to the whole earth to bring true peace to bring peace to our hearts, 
to bring, to bring eternal peace. And I love the contrast between Augustus, the Caesar at the time, and Jesus, who came as a king. Augustus ruled from a palace. Jesus was born in a manger. Augustus had choirs praise him in the temple. Jesus had heavenly choirs praise him in the nighttime when the shepherds were looking after the sheep. Augustus was hailed as the bringer of the Roman peace. Jesus is the prince of peace for the whole earth and for everyone. Augustus was hailed as a savior, as a lord. Caesar was regarded as divine and was a lord that people needed to pledge allegiance to. But Jesus came as the Lord. The angel said, you're going to have a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So people were expected to show allegiance to Caesar in those days. And every, everything around society was around allegiance to him. But Jesus comes into that society and declares by the angels, but quietly, apart from the angelic thing, quietly comes in, born in a manger to, to Mary and Joseph, and he is the one who is the Lord. Augustus enjoyed the praise of the powerful, but angels announced Jesus' birth to the shepherds, who were often considered lowly and even despised. Micah prophesied... He, in, in chapter 5 of Micah, verse 2, that, that you, Bethlehem, you're a small town, but out of you is going to come a shepherd who will rule the people. In Micah chapter 4, though, in verse 5, it says, All peoples walk every man in the name of his God, but we will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. And I feel that that is a real contrast today, that that is a real challenge for even us as believers. Everyone's got their own gods today. There are many gods. You know, I was in India a couple of weeks ago, and it's unbelievable. Like, there are Hindu temples next to Catholic churches, next to mosques, next to other kinds of churches. Everything's next to each other. Unbelievable. And you've got gods there, visible kind of Hindu gods and all of that are just there. But actually the gods that people are serving in the Western world are maybe not as obvious. The gods of self, gods of materialism, gods that set themselves up. Gods with a small g. Everyone's doing their own thing. Micah says, as the people of Israel at the time, we will make a decision that we're going to serve the God, God with a big G. Our allegiance is not to Caesar. Our allegiance, church, is to Jesus. And so 2,000 years ago, it was a pretty radical thing to follow Jesus. And it's still really um, a dangerous thing in many parts of the, the world. And so we need to be careful that even though at the moment pretty much we can say Jesus is Lord, there may come a time when that's not as easy, even in this nation, and things are changing even now 
in terms of kind of laws and all of that. And we need to be praying in this election that we vote. First of all, we need to vote as Christians. We need to register and we need to pray about who to vote for because we need to make a stand and we need to make a difference and we need to recognize that our faith will be tested, I believe, in this next season. And for our young people, we need to be praying for them. Anna, we salute you and others who are standing up in their schools and colleges. And we need to be strong on behalf of others. But I want to say this, that um, every, we've got to make a decision that some may walk in the name of their God, small g, but we will walk in the name of the Lord, our God, forever. Is anybody with me this morning? Because he is the one that brings true peace. And in the Christmas story, Herod represents the enemy who comes and brings violence and brings strife into the situation to try and wipe out the new king. And I want to say this, that you and I have an enemy who wants to bring strife into your world, not just at Christmas time, but throughout the year. He wants to bring confusion and strife to your family and to your situation. We have an enemy who wants to bring confusion and strife. And we are called to bring the Prince of Peace into our lives, into our home, to stand and to declare that even though the enemy tries to bring strife, we stand for peace. And that peace doesn't mean soft. Peace is worth fighting for. Because peace is actually what we're called to wage. We don't wage war, we wage peace. Because we are called to be ambassadors of the kingdom. And the kingdom, some of the, some of the um, characteristics of the kingdom of God is, well, it says in Romans, it's righteousness, peace, and joy is the kingdom of God. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I don't always see that. And I want to see more of that. Because I'm aligned and I'm righteous with God, I want to see more peace and I want to see more joy, which are representations of the kingdom of God in my life, in my family's life, in my church's life, in this society. We are called to bring peace and life and joy to our community. And the way to peace... I believe I want to give you something this morning that will help you for our own life. The way to peace, I believe, is the fear of the Lord. Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 7 says this, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Jesus is the ultimate source of wisdom. There is wisdom available to us through the Word of God, through the Holy Spirit. James chapter 1 verse 5 says this, If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and He will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. He'll never tell you off for asking for wisdom. When was the last time we asked God for wisdom? You and I need wisdom to live life beyond 
what society says and just in everyday life. And James is, is where we're going to go. And, and I want to show you this. In James chapter 3, talks about earthly wisdom versus godly wisdom. And I believe that if we're lacking peace, it should signal to us that we need to look for more Jesus and look for more wisdom. If we're lacking peace, if there's strife going on in our life, in our homes, in our family, then Jesus is the answer, but Jesus is the answer through wisdom. And God wants to give us wisdom. In James chapter 3, in verse 13, it says, Who is there among you who is wise and intelligent? Then let him by his noble living show forth his good works with the unobtrusive humility which is the proper attribute of true wisdom here we see the contrast between true wisdom and false wisdom between earthly wisdom and godly wisdom first of all it says here that we're called to live that actually we're called to live the high life by living the low life Oh, you're living the high life. We say to people, or we think about people, oh, you're living the high life. Living the high life according to the kingdom of God is living with humility. Because humility, like C.S. Lewis said, is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. Thinking of others and it says here showing forth good works with humility and is the proper attribute of true wisdom so humility and then it says if you have bitter jealousy envy contention rivalry selfish ambition in your hearts do not pride yourself on it and thus be in defiance and a false to the truth this kind of wisdom is not coming from above but is earthly unspiritual even devilish so if the stuff going on in our hearts, jealousy, envy, contention, selfish ambition, all of that, basically self, pride, any of that are characteristics of the wrong kingdom. Okay? And how do we kind of how do we how do we get away from that? Okay? Well, we've got to continually humble ourselves before God and look to others and so it says in verse 16 for wherever there is jealousy contention there will also be confusion and all sorts of evil and vile practices I don't believe that the enemy can come in and flood into our life but what the enemy can do is he can use situations to his advantage we need to recognize that we have an enemy who wants to use situations to his advantage to bring confusion and strife. And if there is confusion and strife in our lives all the time, then we need to look to the wisdom of God and to the help of Jesus. Because here and then in verse 17, it talks about the wisdom from above. Aren't you glad today that we don't have to always look around, we can look up for the wisdom from above? The wisdom from above is first of all pure, then it is peace-loving, courteous, considerate, gentle, 
willing to yield to reason, full of compassion and good fruits. It's wholehearted, straightforward, impartial, unfeigned. And the harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who work for and make peace in themselves and in others. You can tell this is the amplified version. That peace which means concord, agreement, harmony between individuals with undisturbedness in a peaceful mind free from fear. So God wants us to live a life of peace with ourselves and with others. And even as believers, we we don't always live in that state. Paul writes in Philippians, he's like, I have learned how to be content. He was learning. In all things, I can do all things through Christ. Living from the inside out. But that is what God wants us to do. And here, he says, this is the true wisdom that comes from above. And so, I believe we need to go for noble living. Living the high life. Humility. And then it says it a little bit in chapter 4 and verse 6. He, he gives grace to the humble. So the answer is to keep humbling ourselves before God. And say, God, I, I humble myself. I come under your lordship. Your lordship, even if sometimes it conflicts with society, even if it sometimes conflicts with my thinking, I'm going to come under your lordship. I'm going to humble myself under your lordship. And as I do that, it says here that um, we, we do good works. We, we lower ourselves to look out for others and we receive his grace. In verse 7, submit to God and resist the devil. Resisting the devil could mean resisting our own voice, the voice of the slanderer. He's an accuser. And then it says, draw near to God. Uh, he resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. I want to draw near to God in this season, to the Prince of Peace. Uh, in, 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 as we go into this month, with everything that we do, with the busyness of the season, I want to internally draw near to the Prince of Peace. I want to resist strife and confusion. And so sometimes that doesn't come naturally and sometimes we have to fight for it. You've got to fight for peace. Fight for peace. The answer to our spiritual problem is godly wisdom from Jesus. The answer to our financial problem is godly wisdom from Jesus. And that could mean a person who is a follower of Jesus going to a person and say, can you give me some wisdom from God? Let us never become so full of ourselves that we're not willing to go and ask someone for help. Come on, somebody. 
Say, hey, I need some godly wisdom. I need some godly wisdom. You've got a great marriage. Will you help me to get some godly wisdom in our marriage? You know about money. Will you help me with some godly wisdom? You know about how to do life. You seem to have learned about how to follow Jesus in this area. Give me some godly wisdom. Who's up for getting some godly wisdom from each other? Come on. Not, not one person having everything, but some of us going to each other and go, hey, I need some wisdom here. We have the body of Christ, even all around the world, to help us with some godly wisdom. You know, this week, I've been in touch with people on the other side of the world and asked them for some wisdom. Well, I need some help. I need some prayer. I need some wisdom about some things. Will you help me? Let's be willing to do that. As we have people come to us, we've got to be willing to go to others. Is anybody with me this morning? Say, hey, I need some wisdom here. You don't have to be in a crisis to get wisdom. I need it every day. He wants to guide us. He's the way maker. So, his kingdom has peace as its culture. I've already mentioned it. I'll mention it again. Romans 14, 17. The kingdom of God is not... (laughs) This is great for Christmas. It's not a matter of getting the food and drink that we like. Well, you know, there's nothing wrong with... um, There's nothing wrong with pigs in blankets. Julian was showing me one earlier on. How long was that one? It was... uh, What was it? That thing? Two meters long. Was it two meters long pigs in blankets? Two meters long for $4.99. Wrapped around... Pigs in blankets. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with a Marks and Spencer's pork pie. Come on, somebody. They are anointed. Nothing wrong with turkey. Nothing wrong with your um, vegan nut roast, but I'll keep away from it personally. That's your thing. There is a discussion in Romans about whether we can eat certain foods or not. And Paul writes this, he's going, actually the kingdom of God is not about that kind of stuff. The kingdom of God, when it comes down to it, is righteousness. In other words, we are right, in right relationship with God, not through anything that we have done or we can do, but through everything that Jesus has done, for us already before we were born while we were still sinners Christ died for us loved us put his love towards us chose to love us through his agape love not through a feeling that he had but because we needed him we needed his love he chose to love us are you grateful this morning for his agape incredible unconditional directive love towards us not through anything that we have done. We are right before God. We are righteous. I can stand today. I can take communion. I can receive that. And I can say, by faith, I am stronger because I've taken communion internally. Every time I take communion, I can believe that I'm stronger because of Jesus and what he's done for me, not because of what have I've done for him, because of what he has done for me. So I am, the kingdom of God is about righteousness that's being given to us as a gift. We are right before God. Let that sink into you today. You are friends with God. 
There is no barrier between you and God. You can come into his presence. You don't have to come into any veil. He is available to us, not through anything we've done, but through him. We are right with God. We have peace with the Prince of Peace. He became our peace. He broke down the wall. He abolished the, sep- the wall that separated mankind. And therefore, we are now called to be reconcilers, ministers, ambassadors of peace, ambassadors of the good news. So, hey, this season, let's use this opportunity to be ambassadors of peace and say we have the ministry of reconciliation. But the kingdom of God here is 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 righteousness and peace, shalom, well-being, the Prince of Peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So if we're not at peace, church, today, then something's out of alignment. Something's not in alignment. And that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to bring us into disalignment, confusion. And today I want to encourage you to Get into alignment with his plans, with his purposes, with his will, with his lordship again today. 1 Peter 3 verse 11. Let him turn away from wickedness and shun it and let him do right. Let him search for peace, harmony, undisturbedness from fears. And seek after it. Do not merely seek peaceful relations with God, with your fellow man, but pursue Go after them. Go after peace. Let's wage peace. Go after peace. Let's, at Christmas time and all of time, run after Jesus. Don't run after the world. Run after peace. By taking a moment, taking some moments this month, to stop and breathe and be thankful. Say, thank you for what I have. Thank you for who I have. Thank you that I have you, Jesus, in my life. You're the way maker. You're the prince of peace. Run after peace by seeking after wisdom. Run after peace by staying aligned with kingdom values. Run after peace by having a new vision for noble living, by bringing good works, being a person of good, good works and kindness. Run after peace by receiving his grace for this season. I tell you what, church, I'm astounded by you. I'm astounded by your generosity and your kindness. Every year, year after year, you extend your hands to this community. This year seems to even even more than ever, hundreds and hundreds of children we're going to bless in this community this year because of your generosity. You are incredible. You are astounding. You are bringing the kingdom of God to this community through your kindness, through your generosity. I was listening to Denny say this morning about how many people we are blessing, how we're being talked about in the Shildon Town Crier, no less an article. That's the way it's meant to be, the kingdom of God, bringing peace and bringing joy to others. You are outstanding. You are astounding, and I salute you.
for your generosity this season and every season and your consistency in giving. And that's what we're called to be. To bring the kingdom of God. That whatever is going on, whatever happens on December the 12th, we, it doesn't stop us. But to be honest, whoever gets in on December the 12th, it doesn't stop the kingdom of God. Whatever your personal political views, we're first of all citizens of the kingdom of heaven. Called to bring the lordship of Jesus to our own lives, to our family, to our street, to our community, to our school, like Anna was talking about, to our colleges, to our university. You are a representative of the kingdom of God. Live nobly. Lift up your head this morning. Be noble. Live the high life by laying down our life. He calls us to live the high life. It's a noble life by following Jesus. And let us take a little lesson from this candle this morning. This candle is a slow burner. Nothing spectacular. It's plenty of time. This candle's thinking, hey, you know what? I've got 30 days. It's chilling. And I want to encourage you, if you're feeling stressed, I'm speaking to myself, I'm speaking to you, if you're feeling like hurried, busy, over busy, in this season, think about this candle. Take a breath, slow, internally, slow down. So you know what? Slow and steady. Slow and steady. Let's stand together. Come on, let's take a breath.